Hello and welcome to the Aussie Nerds Podcast. I'm Daniel and this week we're going to go to the second style to the right and straight on till morning to either space or another country, depending on whether or not you've read the book. Peter Pan. <laughs> yes, uh, Peter, Peter Pan, the, ti- the timeless classic by J.M. Barry, endlessly made into plays, movies, awkward TV releases starring Christopher Walken and many more. God, I love the public domain. Hi, Kevin. This is Kevin, by the way. My name is Kevin, and today uh, Daniel and I are going to be discussing the many adaptations of Peter Pan. I need to stop doing this. I I said when I did the Lord of the Rings uh, review that like nine hours is my limit. So, like, <laughs> I can't help it. Yeah. Uh, Peter Pan, uh, the 2003 one, which is the one that you picked. Yes, this is the one that I, yes. Uh, for, those, for those who might not know, in 2003, there was a live action version of Peter Pan made by Universal Studios. It was released at the worst possible time because Lord of the Rings, Return of the King was coming out and uh, it got buried. And then the American Cheaper by the Dozen came out a week on the same day and that also buried it. So it didn't make a lot of money. <laughs> oh, no. No, it got, it was like, you know, I remember, so when I was a kid, you know, I, I watched the original Peter Pan. I, I thought it was okay. I didn't, I didn't really, I mean, it was fine. It's not one of my favorites. But when I saw this one, I always loved it because it was like, they, like a lot of the Disney live action remakes are doing now, the Universal one uses the cartoon as a springboard and then just expands on everything in it. Makes, you know, it recontextualizes it a little bit, deepens the characters and explores the theme about Peter's refusal to grow up. And how, you know, that may or may not be a good or bad thing. It's a shame that he doesn't want, want to grow up. Because for a 12-year-old living with a bunch of boys, he's got some... <laughs> <laughs> he's, yeah, that, you know, I did kind of notice... I did, I did notice that on my rewatch. Right? Like, why is he okay? Why is this boy okay living with, like, seven other men? It's not like, that. That's fine. Okay. He's got kids, group of friends, treehouse. When he's yeah. Wendy... And like insults her. I'm like, great kid stuff. But then yeah. he just has slick moves. I know. Oh yeah, no, he's like, he's totally he's totally flirting with her in the in her bedroom. Like, come away with me, Wendy, and we'll never have to worry about adult problems ever again. And she's like, okay, cool. Yeah, that's awesome. That's all right. We're not going to worry about our parents, you know, thinking that we've been kidnapped or anything. Yeah, which is it's exactly how it worked in the book. <laughs> I, uh, the kids don't give a shit about their parents. No, they don't. And, and again, in, in this, so yeah, I guess we can kind of start at the beginning, which is where... It's a very you know, good place to start. No, it's a very good place to start. So in the beginning of this movie... You know, we get a little, we get the little, you know, thing, all children grow up except one, Peter Pan. Okay, you know, great. And then we get, 
you know, some, we had some nice narration from a calming British woman about how Wendy Darling reads stories to her brothers, John and Michael. They li- they're in the same bedroom, even though she's like 13 years old and they're like 10 and eight. And it was like- a relatively nice house. Yeah, yeah, like that is their their house is nice. I'm like, how much money does Mr. Darling make at the bank that they can live in that? And the the funny thing about that is that it's about her growing up, but like the thing that uh, Neverland is trying to show as growing up is that uh, trying to show as growing up is her leaving the nursery to have her own bedroom. (laughs) <laughs> yeah you know how long it took me to want my own bedroom literally the moment i got there <laughs> you know what yeah and that, that's one of the that's one of the that's one of the things you kind of just have to go with it's like look she doesn't want her own bedroom um but yeah i like first off i really like the addition of the aunt millicent character played by lynn redgrave she was she fun kinda, she was, she, Lynn Redgrave was having such a fun time playing this woman because she's like, George, your, your people at the bank, they, they're going to think, they're going to think lesser of you unless you can do small talk and force your children to have separate rooms. Oh my God, that small talk was so small. <laughs> I love, I love the name. It's like, Sir Edward Couch loves small talk. It's like, how do you love small talk? Wendy has not. By the way, it's Wendy doing the narration. I'm not yeah, going to yes, it, yes, it's it's Wendy, and I I watched. Uh, there's an epilogue that they <laughs> shot, but it, it was deleted from the final film. I watched it. I watched it earlier this afternoon just to, like get some context. I'm kind of happy that they kept it out because I feel like it would have. I don't know. I like the ending that they have now, but we'll get but yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah, there, apparently there was an. They shot an epilogue for the live action movie in which, you know, we do see an adult Wendy telling the story to her young daughter, Jane. Peter Pan flies in, realizes that Jane is an adult now, and then just she's totally okay with Peter whisking her nine year old daughter, Jane, off to Neverland. What happened in the book? <laughs> Here's what happened in the book. In the book, he goes... Uh, the Neverland is all about forgetting, right? So he has yeah. no idea how time passes. Yes. So every year, he comes back and takes Wendy back to Neverland. And she, yeah. and eventually she stops, but only when she's like 50. Yeah, know? 50 years old. Yeah, and yeah. she has a kid. And it's like, how did you not... And, and again, the way the scene is written doesn't imply that because he comes back in... And she's like, I'm, ma- I'm a married woman now, or something like that. And he's like, wait, what? Yeah, exactly. She's a person like, growing up. You're like, she, she's married with a kid now. You're not, you're not getting <laughs> back to Neverland now, man. Um, but, but anyway. Uh, yeah. The book's anyway, really, back to the- I'm glad that they kept that epilogue out. No, yeah, because I, I was watching it. And I was like, oh, this would have been such a cringy, creepy way to end this movie. And it, yeah, I, we'll get to the ending in a little bit but yeah uh but yeah again i like that in the beginning her wendy's reasons for going to neverland makes so much more sense because we're we're like they made sense before but they're given more it's more believable because there's more at stake for her as a character like why she wouldn't want to grow up and the implication of uh, the idea of growing up for a kid is 
it's tough. It's a tough yeah, it's, realization to happen at 12. Yeah, it's, it's terrifying. And I think, that, I think that's one of the things that I always really gravitated to about this version of the story was that, you know, not that I feared growing up at like age seven, but, you know, I like that when they get to Neverland, it is this huge, beautiful, colorful place where anything can happen and you're free to run around and do whatever you want to do without adult supervision. I and, I like that kisses have superpowers. I know, you know. Okay, so yeah, the hidden kiss thing. All right, so again, it's, it's from the book. Uh, the mother. I don't remember it from the. I book. don't. Well, I, actually, I thought I saw a review where somebody had said that it was like it is a in the movie. Wendy's mother, played by Olivia Williams, had the narrator says she's got some hidden kiss on the one side of her mouth, and the camera zooms in on her mouth, and it's like. What okay, it looks like a mouse. <laughs> what, where's the kiss at? What am I looking at? <laughs> it's, re- it's really weird. <laughs> That's a bizarre moment that I'm shocked that they're able to reincorporate. And when they reincorporate it later, it's goofy, but it works for the scene where they use it. Uh, but they use it twice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know. Okay. The, they use it once and it's goofy. Like, so, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, they go to Neverland and the score is great when they're flying over there. It's uh, cool. And the animation, no, the CGI isn't great, but like it works. Uh, it the, works. Like, like okay. So I, aspect. Yeah. And so I think like the houses look like they're from the Polar Express. Yes, they do. They do. The entire, and then like the space, when they're flying through space, it's such a clear green screen effect that I always started laughing. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's space. But like, um, if, you, if it looked like realistic space, <laughs> you'd be like, wait, how come they're questions. not? It's like, yeah, it's like, wait, actually, I did, that did go through my mind. I was like, wait, there's some space. How come they're not dead? And then you're like, this is about a boy that flies. <laughs> I'm not going to ask Probably that question. magic. I'm not going to ask that question. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, also, uh, so when they get to, so when they get to Neverland, you know, they fly and we meet, they go there. And the first thing we see after, you know, the score ends is, that Peter Pan affects the weather. <laughs> Peter Pan affects the weather. He becomes winter. And then it comes back and it becomes like spring or summer somehow. Yeah, like four hours early or something. And, and then later on when something else, like it seems like his, the weather's also regulated by his emotion. <laughs> uh-huh. Because you see later when he gets like really angry and sad about something uh, it goes from, you know, relatively nice 4 p.m. to blistering thunderstorm. <laughs> Which, <laughs> like, like, is great. No, you I know, love that. I love that they did that. This land. Yeah, I love that Peter Pan's emotions just totally control this, this entire area. And uh, so, yeah, we meet, it's at this point where we meet Captain Hook. Who's who played the, by... by Jason. Jason Isaacs. Jason he, Isaacs. He's my favorite Captain Hook ever. Like I, I really, I think that he's really good at being fun and charming. But you really get the idea that he wants this kid's head on a freaking stick. And um, this goes for the uh, thing that the play does, which is Mr. Darling and Captain Hook are played by the same actor. 
which is a which is a tradition that has held up through many versions, except for the one which we won't talk about, where Christopher Walken was Captain Hook and no, somebody no, no, else no, no, is the father. I haven't seen it. We're talking oh, about that movie. <laughs> oh god! <laughs> oh, you you have seen it? I haven't. I'm oh god! So I, I haven't okay. seen it either. I've seen I've seen clips. It looks bad. Oh, okay. Oh, but yeah, but no, I really think Jason Isaacs does a really great job as Captain Hook and Mr. Darling. They gave Mr. Darling some personality this time. He's not just like a one-dimensionally angry guy. I don't like, like that Disney makes people that work the bad guys. Yeah, I know. I, I was watching the cartoon and I was like, this guy, their, their dad's a jerk. Like, yeah, yeah, he trips on the dog and the blocks and everything. But like, how long has this been going on? Is this an ongoing problem? Or is it just, he's just in a really bad mood tonight. And at the end of the movie, he's like, I'm sorry, honey. You know I don't really mean these things. And it's like, wait, when did that happen? I was so half-hearted. It's much better in this one because yeah. you get this because one, they barge into his work. And yeah. I don't care what that letter said. <laughs> it would have been much better for him to just receive the letter. I know. But you don't I, think it, about these things when you're a kid. Everything is no. the worst problem ever. Yeah, and in the movie, it definitely takes the time during the first act to, like, set up every character so that you get where they're coming from. And there's, a, like, there's, a, there's kind of a little speech that the mom gives to the kids I adore before that they speech. go out to the park. That, see, okay, so when I was seven years old, the first act of it was like, okay, can we just get to Peter Pan? As an adult, I love it. It's because so it, good. It's like, wow, this is such a real, this feels like such a real family and such a, a real place. And I love that, you know, she's like, look, he, you know, he's, he has a different kind of bravery. He's, he's not brandished a sword or done all this awesome stuff, but he's still brave and he loves you. And then that's reinforced at the end when they come back. Obviously, they come back. And, you know, he just hugs everyone and loves them. But but not only that, we do a check-in, which I like. Oh yeah, yeah, I love I love the check-in. So like about midway through the movie, Peter goes back to the Darling House to you know see if the window's shut, Im- you know, implicating that you know the the parents have given up on their children, and it's not. And he tries to shut the window. He shuts it. Mrs. Darling wakes up, runs frantically over the window. Like it, this window must always be open in case they come back. They force it open. And then he flies off before they see him. I appreciate it, that this is working on fairy tale logic because Hook yeah. is a book they called the cops. I, <laughs> I know. I was like, wait, how could? Yeah, I, I was kind of confused as to like how much time has passed. That's a thing. That's a problem in all of the. That's a problem in all of the Peter Pan films but especially this one it's like wait so it's so if an actual couple of days passed or has it just been a few hours and they don't know what well i i like it i think it's working on fairy tale logic yes like I, the, I, with the kiss uh yes the, the fact that they know that you have to leave the window open yes i like i like all of that i think that uh pj hogan who's actually an australian director I think that he puts a really good kind of fantastical, whimsical tone over most of this. It, it feels like a fairy tale from the right from the off. And so you're able to go with everything that they present to you very easily. There's a, um, there's a YouTube channel called Everything Wrong With. 
which is oh, uh, yeah. Cinema Sins. I hate yeah. I I don't know. I I hate every I hate cinema sins. I think they're one of the worst things to ever happen to criticism because they're like, yeah, you could actually look at certain movies and pick out legitimate problems with them, but you're just gonna nitpick random stuff that even I wouldn't notice. And I'm like a big manga. Like no one would even notice over half of this stuff, and it doesn't even matter to the movie. And and like that was their shtick when I started, but like now everyone's doing it. And everyone and like, that that's real criticism, which is no, not. it's not. No, it's not. Like real criticism, for example, of this movie, is like okay, the green screen effects sometimes are really bad. But doesn't matter because but no, it the, doesn't because flying works. A real criticism yeah. is something like uh, I, I I can't think of it, but like okay, fine. The kid in the uh, uh, I think it's Jonathan. John, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has that great line, and hand that savage you savage, and I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> that's 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 really bad. <laughs> okay, so yeah, so I guess we can move to that now. It's like, so if you watch the original cartoon, uh, uh, we can swear here, right? Or oh whatever. yeah, fuck it. The original movie's fucking racist. Like I hate the. I mean, I know it was like the different times and everything, but like. It's really hard to watch the entire second act of the animated movie because it's the Indian characters are like they're red. They are literally yeah. red creatures that look barely human, and they have a song about called "What Makes the Red Man Red." And by the end of that song, I was like, I don't know what makes the red man red by the logic you provided here. But it, I just feel like unclean watching this now. I feel kind of just awkward watching it. And the they've toned that down significantly in this. Like they don't. Like well, I think they hired real. Yes, they they hired real Indians for this, which is great. Great move. Yeah. Um, instead of it, them having red skin, like a racist depiction of an Indian, <laughs> uh, they have face paint. Yeah, like face paint, face paint, and you know bandanas and stuff. Like, which is which is fine. Yeah. Um, that's that's all well and good. And also, I think, and going back to your kisses have superpowers thing. Yeah, he gets the best kiss. Strongest kiss. Something. Yeah. So 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 you know after the kids land, uh, Captain Hook is looking for Peter Pan as he does. He captures Tiger Lily, John, and Michael. Takes them to this awesome dark castle very eerie gothic set and he and you know at one point john is trying to like push this lever or turn this wheel thing to open the gate up and tiger lily who's known this kid for like maybe three hours gives him a kiss his face turns pink (laughs) and he's like i can do this now <laughs> I got kissed by the by this random girl that I don't know. <laughs> I'm gonna do it now. Um, but yeah, after but yeah, after pretty much like after that bit, like after that action sequence, I think that's where I think that is where the movie really differentiates itself because it starts because it darkens after that significantly and goes in and starts exploring Peter's psychology about not wanting to grow up. And why that's a problem for him and Wendy's 
somewhat burgeoning relationship or friendship or whatever it is. Too bad because like he'd be really good at it. <laughs> he had those smooth lines. He had them flying and dancing in the sky surrounded by fairies. I of that. I would love to yeah, no, she's like and she's and the, she does that thing and it's such a stereotype of like Peter acts like the stereotypical guy in this moment where Wendy is like, okay, so we're going to talk about our feelings now. And he's like, what the fuck are feelings? I don't do that. But he, but he I like it because like he obviously has feelings for her. Oh, no, it's great. It's, it's, it's really great. And he, he's honestly conflicted because he wants to remain a boy forever. But he also... You know, he's never experienced love before and neither has she. And so they're both kind of feeling each other out, trying to figure out how can we make this work? Can we make this work at all? You know, can I stay in Neverland or should I do the right thing and go back home? And, you know, at a later point when, you know, she, when she kind of convinces them to let them go back, you know, she's like, okay, I'm going to bring the Lost Boys back with me. And Peter's asking like, you know, would they send me to school? Would I have to go into an office? Would I have to do X and Y and Z? And you can tell in his moment, in that moment there by the, the great acting that Jimmy Sumter does, especially there, it's like he wants to go with her, but he also really doesn't want to enter adulthood. He fears it. He, he fears adulthood because the only adults that he's ever known are the pirates who are just evil and malicious. And... Like- I'm willing to believe the theory that they were lost boys. I've never heard that theory before. Well, the only way you get to... So here's the fairy tale logic for how you get to Neverland. You're Peter yes. Pan, and yes. Peter Pan takes you there. Or yeah. you get lost, and then fairies pick you up after three days. Yeah. You fall out of your pram, which is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I know, yeah, he says that... Yeah, I think he says, like... You know, the, the Lost Boys are people that the, the nurses couldn't find after three days. And it's like, well, okay, there's a lot of angry mothers right now who are yelling at hospital receptionists about, you know, where's my baby? <laughs> yeah. But, but... We're making yeah. fun of this, by the way. No, it's no, but, but... Okay, but real... But okay, so... so I, joking I, can't emphasize, I can't emphasize enough. It doesn't matter. No, okay. Okay, so yeah, all so all joking all joking aside here, this movie it's 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 really great because well first of all, it's able to shift tone really easily. It starts out really light, really fun, and then it slowly darkens and it never feels like whiplash. And it gets violent too. Like the action sequences in this are a lot more intense than anything in the Disney one or or any other, you know versions of this and i and i love the fact that they don't talk down to the kid audience at any point they're making a movie that kids can watch not a kid's movie which like it's a very hard distinction to make but i i think that's right this is more a family film yeah this is is a movies that don't talk down to kids but like more often than not yeah no a lot of them do and this one this one definitely did not talk down to me. Like there are times where, you know, and again, the thing about it though is I love that, you know, even though I didn't always understand some of this, I still enjoyed it because the action is really fast and it's a, it's a great world. And Jeremy Sumter really brings this, you know, 
he he's really good as Peter Pan. He make he makes him fun and kind of you know very joyful and useful. But he also really nails the dramatic scenes that are the linchpin of this thing. And I I love. It, he's a great actor. No, he's a great. He's a fantastic actor, and I think that honestly, like him and Jason Isaacs have really good chemistry together. Like you believe that they've been fighting each other for years and that Peter is only like taking it as a, I like that in this one, it feels like he knows that hook is a threat, but like it's still a game, but he's going to, he's going to screw with them. And that's a really difficult thing to do to have your main character kind of joking around and having fun a lot with a scary villain. And it's still be effective. Like you don't know who's going to win. And the ending of the movie takes a massive departure from the original one in that it actually gives Hook an advantage that makes the battle so much more interesting. Yeah, um, but before we get to that, I mm. like the scene when, uh, when, every, when, when his brothers get kidnapped. Yes. Uh, and he's playing Marco Polo. Oh, yeah. That, okay, yeah, that, that Marco Polo scene is awesome because... Again, it's one of those things like Hook is Hook is messing with him. He knows that Peter is, you know, so temperamental about growing up and always remaining a boy that that's his weak point. Yeah, and he, and he exploits that in every battle that they have together. Yeah, and in Smee, uh, with Smee, Smee yes. releases him because Pitpan does, frankly, a perfect. Yes. Hook's voice. Yes, he does. And then I love the bit where, like, he's talking to him, like, <laughs> "Oh, who are you, James Hook? But ma- man, myth, boy, no, no, no." He goes, it, it's uh, like, "Vegetable, no, <laughs> no, animal, yes, man, no, <laughs> <In> boy, <laughs> yes." Again, that 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 animal line just in, reinforces how much of a Lothario Peter Pan is. Oh, um, so dramatic! <laughs> I love no, them. they have the no, best I, chemistry. No, they they have the best chemistry in the world, and like again, he's really good at like playing cocky, and you know, he's he's a believably cocky boy. He can fly around. He can flirt with anybody. He can take people off to this magical land. He can have fun. I mean, who wouldn't have a little bit of an ego on them if you had all that power? I know, especially when you're 12. Yeah, he's 12, he's 12 years old. 12. Yeah, and he's a really old boy, too. It's just like, what? The best thing about, uh, about this, uh, about their chemistry, is like, you're right, they, they play off each other really well. I don't know if the hook, uh, if Dustin Hoffman from Hook... Yes. Uh, is better, but like uh, the character was mugging a lot. Uh, yeah, and that that was my pro- That was kind of my problem with Hook is that you know I I really like the beginning of it. I like all the not. I like all the stuff before they go to Neverland. But when they get to <laughs> Neverland, I'm kind of like Dustin Hoffman has a couple of really good threatening moments, but they play him a lot for goofs in that movie which i like i I like the goofy one where he has his chemistry with smee oh no he he has great chemistry with bob hoskins as smee i think that i think bob hoskins is my favorite smee bob hoskins is a great smee 
he's a fantastic Smee. He's totally, he's smiling. He's totally into it. And again, I like, I like Dustin Hoffman's performance in that movie because of, I can tell how much fun he's having. Like he's having a ball uh-huh. mugging to the camera. And Robin Williams does a really good job playing that character, you know, playing Peter Pan, even when he's, you know, a stuffy adult. And he's like, this place is an, is an insurance nightmare. But the, the about the Neverland. That is that they obviously hired Robin Williams because when you think adult, but is a kid. Peter, yeah, Robin Williams. He was he was a perfect epitome of that. And but they, they don't they not don't that until the last fifteen minutes. Yeah, the last fifteen twenty minutes. So much of the movie he is, and I think I would have been okay with that had they actually explored his psychology more. And they don't. They just they get him there. And I'm with him. And then the middle act of that movie is just kind of like going back between the Neverland boys training him in their skate park. Including Fire Lord Zuko. Including Zuko. And Zuko actually does a decent job in this. He's actually fine. He's actually pretty good. Dante Bosco. He's actually pretty good as Rufio in there. Uh, I, I like to think that he was actually Zuko, and beca- and you know they kidnapped him, and that's why his hair has the Fire Nation colors in it. <laughs> I can't believe I didn't think of that. <laughs> and, my, <laughs> and like, I like the fact that I think the stuff with Hook in that movie is more interesting. I really like the relationship between Peter and his son, and how Hook manipulates him. And it's so easy to see, like, why he would want to go to Hook's side for a lot of it. And I and uh, they completely throw away the his daughter, the, the, the little girl, the daughter. Like, like she's there, she's gonna be prominent, and then she does this weird little song out of nowhere, and then she's just gone. And I'm like, uh. It's clear that by that point, Hook gave up on her. The movie and the character. <laughs> the, the, the movie. The scriptwriter is like, oh, okay, we know where all the thematic interest is. We're going to focus on him and st- on the boy instead. It got to the point where I was honestly wondering, like, why was the daughter even here? I know. I was like, she doesn't do anything. Um, also, can we talk about how weird it is that Julia Roberts is Tinkerbell? Can we talk that- about how so- weird it is that Julia Roberts is talking as Tinkerbell? <laughs> The writing for her is so bad. And apparently Carrie Fisher came in and rewrote a lot of Tinkerbell's dialogue. I shudder to think of what it was before. I can't believe Um, that they made her have more than one emotion at once. She's very simple. Uh, She doesn't, she loves Peter Pan, but she's still jealousy. But like in the 2003 movie, they really they they nailed that. They nailed that. 50s movie. They both they nailed that. Like I think that Tinkerbell's characterization in both of those is amazing. You know, and I, I in the 2003 one, I get. I read it more as like, oh, you know, she Peter's been my friend forever. Oh, who's this chick that just showed up? I'm not having that. Yeah, and it's like, and you get Tinker, you get why Tinkerbell is mad at him because he is just ignoring her basically once Wendy shows up. So yeah, I I really like Tinkerbell in both versions. I forget the name of the actress who plays her in the live action movie, but she does a really good job of having one emotion at a time. Like she's done, she does a lot of like facial acting. Uh, Ludwig Sagnier. Uh, some, something like that. Um, so I've, I've mispronounced her name. 
but sorry about that. But yeah, she does a she does a fantastic job. And also, uh, I love the use of color in this movie. Like especially the during the final battle, there's a distinct moment where like, the entire third act is basically in this kind of reddish hue, and then after a certain point, it goes to this darkish blue black thing when the hero's at his lowest point and it's really smooth transition because it just happens yeah and like we already established that his emotions control the weather so it makes sense to have mood lighting yes yeah, so all the mood lighting this is great and also again this is like a this is a uh, you know 16 year old movie so we're gonna so i'm gonna talk about what hook does to mess with him so basically so the final battle is happening, you know, as you remember it, Peter goes in there, he's flying around and messing with him and everything's going great. And then Captain Hook does something that I'm shocked that even the cartoon guy didn't do. He grabs Tinkerbell and sprinkles some fairy dust onto himself so that now he can fly. And he starts taunting Peter psychologically about, she's going to grow up and forget about you. She's going to have a husband. The window's going to be shut. She's never, you're never going to mean anything to her. Which is great because he got that uh, idea from Wendy. Yes, and the, yes, and yes, and uh, Wendy will be the next thing we talk about. But yeah, I really love. I think that's my favorite interaction between the two of them because they, why didn't we think of this before? Moment. Yeah, like, and that's the thing that I always thought of when I rewatched the cartoon was like, why didn't Hook do that? She's always there with him. She's right there. Use it. It just made it unexciting, like a like an unfair battle advantage that people could always fly. And I, I love that they did it here. And again, the acting that Jeremy Sumter does is like, he knows that Hook is right, but he wants to deny it, which is why he keeps falling and getting kicked. I mean, Hook brutalizes this poor kid. Like, he's got a bloody cut on his head by the end of this. Which is like, uh, he stabs at, uh, Rufio in the in Hook. But like... Yeah. And that's sad because, why is that sad? I don't know, people uh, like it. That's why. I, uh, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, in, in the 2003 one, like, Peter's got a bloody cut on his head by the end of it. See which, this fight. this fight affects him. It's, it's, it's a really great psychological takedown that Hook does because it, it works. Like, the movie's themes have been building up to that. And Peter and Wendy have been arguing about that for so much of the second half of it. And Wendy's right. He does have to grow up if he wants her, for real. And in the, in the book, it talks a lot about memory. Mm-hmm. And Peter forgets. And like in the book, there's a, there's a long epilogue where he goes back to get Jane and then Jane's daughter. And or Wendy, Wendy's daughter is Wendy's Jane. Wendy's daughter Jane and then yeah. Jane's daughter and then so on and so forth. Okay. And he, that... for, and he forgets Tinkerbell because... In the book, he's the only one that doesn't grow up. So everyone else does, including all the lost boys who grow up. Okay, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, so he's the only one that doesn't grow up. So all the lost boys either leave or die. Uh, mm. Hook dies and Tinkerbell dies. Wow. Or by the end of it, and he forgets all of them. When so these books, that's, even, that's even more depressing than some parts of this movie. Yeah, so uh, Wendy talks to him about Tinkerbell and he's like, who's Tinkerbell? Just the dangers of growing up. You forget you're only living in the present. It's the dangers of not growing up. And, I, and again, going back to your thing about how kisses have superpowers in this, he's 
he's lying there on the deck, just broken down, and the the mood lighting is red, reddish pink, and the and the score is so downbeat right there. And he Hook knocks her to the ground, and she says, "You know, I will always love you," or something like that. And then he gets like the biggest smile on his face ever, and he's turning pink, and the music swells up, which is hilarious and exactly how um, <laughs> magicians work. <laughs> you know what? Also, like, I, 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 that was, you know, that that scene works on two levels. It works as a unintentionally hilarious moment, and it works as a, you know, it as a like a an ending to the thematic, you know, to the thematic underlining of the movie, where you know it leaves up to you to be like, you know, maybe Peter does want to grow up or will grow up someday. It doesn't set it in stone, but it gives him a, it gives it to him as an option. They're like, without, oh, like hearing it in. Well, we got taxes and terrible health care. But like kissing, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, he's gonna, and then once he get once he gets here, he's gonna be like, "Oh my god, what have I done?" <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that yeah, it's a really great, it's a really great. And then the the final thing that this movie does fantastically is in the cartoon, Wendy is literally just there, just standing around, kind of being a killjoy. In this one, she's act- she actually does things and fights yeah, pirates. she tells a, a story about Cinderella fighting pirates. <laughs> Which I'm like, I want that Disney live-action movie to be made now. I-, I love that because it's clear that she was telling them the story of Cinderella. And then they're like, this is boring. Pirates. <laughs> ah, pirates in it. <laughs> we want to hear about Peter Pan. So she added yeah. Cinderella. And I, and I love too how he's like creeping out. He's like creeping by the window, listening to these stories, and that's why he initially takes her. It's like we need a storyteller. That's exactly what mothers are, right? <laughs> that's story. exactly what mothers are. They don't do anything else. Um, and again, I like that Wendy. Once she realizes that that's what all she's there to do, she's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> she she's not having any of that and again she actually confronts peter about his feelings for her several times leading to her going over to captain hook's pirate ship and being a storyteller for them for a brief period and even considering she taking a kidnapped. yeah no and she's like you know that you so you've been kidnapped twice now and you're and okay with totally that. capable of like saving herself. I like that she's like, yeah, I'll become a pirate or whatever. And I'll then- do it because I want to do it. Yeah, I mean, it It really is like, she, I really like Rachel Hurd Wood's performance as Wendy. She, she's really spunky, but she also, again, she feels like a kid. Yeah. She, all of these kids, all the kids in this movie, they act like kids, but not the annoying kind of kids. Like, even when they're acting rambunctiously, they feel like real rambunctious kids. It reminds me of Wolf Children. I actually haven't seen Wolf Children. I've heard great things for years. Uh, in Wolf Children, they start off being like two, mm-hmm. and then they grow up, and then uh, until they're about 10. Yes. Uh, and the little the brother acts like an adult at 10. Because mm-hmm. he's a wolf. Yeah. And wolves have are adults at 10. Little girl is 10, but she wants to be human, so she's still a kid. Yes. Which is brilliant. 
that that's interesting. I I will definitely have to get back. I will definitely have to uh, watch Wolf Children at some point because I've heard really great things about it for years. Uh yeah. So, but, but yeah, with it, yeah, I, I don't yeah, expect like kids. No, but yeah, I yeah, they act they act like regular kids. You know, all of them. I always, you know, um, I will say John and Michael in this movie kind of get the short shrift. Like they don't have a lot for them to do. Yeah, but they're still like they're still and, they're still yeah. present though. Like it doesn't totally forget about them. Like it does Maggie and Hook. Yeah, they become uh, part of the Lost Boys, which is which I like, and I and I like that it takes place over like three Neverland days or so. It's not just instantaneous. I've been here for six hours. I for, I'm forgetting my mother. And then as soon as she realizes that they start to get their parents, they're like, "No, we gotta like, go okay, back. We, we, gotta, we gotta get out now." Um, and again. Peter begrudgingly gets them a fairy guy to take him back because he knows that that's what she wants and he cares about her like that. I checked. They mm. do have that fairy guide. He's just instantly murdered. Oh, really? Yeah. When, uh, when um, Hook's waiting outside and he, and he uh, stands by the uh, fairy guide and he's like, there's no such thing as fairies. Worst oh, that's what that that's what that was okay i never got that i legitimately never got that until just now yes wow very guy okay that's that's great and again he's just evil and he loves being evil i would do that all the time if i was hooked just for a just for a laugh (laughs) that that would be like that would be how many times Um, no such thing as fairies before pen all the fairies are dead um also, and also, yeah, so now we can transition to the cheesiness of this that it has sometimes. Like, oh, my God, I love cheese. There's a, oh, my God, there's so much cheese. But it, it all works emotionally, though, so I think it works. Like, there's a bit where Tinkerbell dies after, <laughs> after drinking poison that Hook is given for him. That scene was amazing. It reminded me of Pokemon, <laughs> them crying, and then him not being stoned anymore. I'm like, fuck off. That was so. You have right? me too. Just like use me too. They're having like they're having like the entire cast say that they believe in fairies, and Mr. Charling's in his board meeting and just screams, <laughs> "I believe in fairies!" Stop Again, Peter has too much power. Oh God. He can control the minds of young children who don't even know him from their beds. It's almost like a force wall. It's like a force wall break to the. The audience. I bet like, you whenever I watch it, I'm always like that in the cinema when this came out, kids oh were screaming God. that and their parents were like, What the oh. fuck? <laughs> no, I, I know that every time I watch I'm like, I do believe in fairies. Uh, you know what, what? It was very hard not to say it, but I did. No. Oh no, I did. I I always say I always say it because I'm so in the moment of that. It's like the best force wall break that isn't a force wall break ever. I can't believe that Mr. Darling said it. I love Mr. Darling. No, no, I... And then, again, even the mom who's just sitting there with her eyes shut and all this, and it's a really good emotional moment because they, you know, they fly around for a second after that, and the music, again, swells up to this joyful tune. And then we go into the final battle where it's intense and big and very, very, very red... And, you know, very emotional. And you, you don't know how it's going to go because they've kind of expanded on it. So they're like, what are they going to do? 
I mean, you know the ending. Yeah, no, you, you know the ending. You know that he defeats uh, him, but, like, we have the crocodile, and the crocodile yeah. swallowed a clock representing Hook's fear of uh, growing old and dying. Uh, yes, and that's something that the, the live-action movie is the only one... The live-action movie is the only one that really kind of takes that. Because, you know, he does... He does have a little bit of lamenting about getting old but it's not until the end when the kids say you know old alone done for several times and then he gets eaten swallowed up whole i like that part of his fear was being alone no i do i do too because they get across kind of subtly that he's he's obsessed with finding peter pan but you also get the sense that that's literally the only thing driving him in his life like he's got nothing else going on except for hunting down peter pan and without him he's got nothing to live for i like that um i really like that uh they have the clock on the shape of of the dino of the uh, of the crocodile uh yeah and they're making a silhouette because it implies it shows that the that the pirates are so scared of the crocodile that like oh fuck it now it can fly yeah <laughs> That's, again, all of that climax is handled, I think it's only like seven to ten minutes long, but it's really good. Um, again, the, PJ Hogan, the director of this, he directs all the action really well. You can always see what's going on. None of the sequences last too long, but they still thrill you. And they're all plot relevant. I like that um, at the end. So, so this climactic scene is great, and we'll get back to it, but I like that at the end... That um, that Peter takes them home, yeah. but like, uh, and they steal some of the treasure. And <laughs> the oh, oh my God! I know we're going with this. Yes, that that again. That's one of the cheesiest bits ever. So they get home and they've taken all the lost boys home with them. Yeah. Except- Except for one, who we'll get to him in a, in a second. Oh my God! Like, okay, so like, oh my God, home. because obviously. Oh my god. They adopt all of them and they're like, damn the expense. <laughs> damn the damn the neighbors. Damn the damn the expense. Welcome to the family, boys. It's like, do you have any idea how expensive that's gonna that's be? So happy. And then they have pirate treasure, so it's fine. <laughs> got lost. And instead of saying, Can I be adopted too? Get <laughs> the aunt. Tinkerbell whispers in Lynn Lynn Redgrave's ear, and she's like, I have a son! (laughs) (laughs) That's, but still, it's a good payoff to her character. I like that they gave her something. She wasn't just there to be a snooty villain ish person. Like, they actually made her well meaning. And she was fun and likable before that, so you're like, yeah. Yeah, no, you, you, you know what? It's weird, it's like, you don't, you don't like her, but you also get, like, yeah, she's kind of right. It's weird that a 12-year-old girl is sharing a room with her brothers. Yeah, so Wendy can grow up, they have more kids, everything. Yeah, and, you know, continue the darling family line, you know, and just be a proper woman in that period. Yeah, but, and like, I'm, also, she can tell stories and uh, fight pirates and stuff. Yes, and I, and I do, I, as, a, as a writer myself, I, I write film reviews for, I write film reviews on the side of my real job. And so when Aunt Millicent, when he's like, I want to be a writer and tell stories, she's like, writing is not a real profession or something like that. Like nobody ever makes any money off of writing. 
and <laughs> which is way better than to make fun. Uh, it's funny because like a writer wrote that. I know, <laughs> uh, and it's way better than um, than uh, in what was it? I think it was uh, Lady in the Water. Yeah, where he's like riding to save the world. I am my Shyamalan. <laughs> oh God, Lady in the Water. I, I hate Lady in the Water so much. I love it. I, I, I mean, it's so bad. It's no, okay. I love it for how bad it is, but like I watched it the first time. I was like, "This is." Do you want me to take this seriously? Because there's so much dumb in this. They killed Roger Ebert. They killed a, a Roger Ebert stand-in, and they've got the kid who can tell the future off the of cereal boxes. God, that movie's great. I should do a good version. Nothing has been better than the book. The 2003 version came really close, though. Yeah, and I really, I really want to read the book just to see like how many differences there are here. I the, there's the, the bits in Neverland pretty similar, um, mm-hmm. except that Peter Pan doesn't kiss Wendy <laughs> or have any romantic feelings towards Wendy at all. Yeah, and that the and I remember you had said like that the romance, the romance of the thing that kind of bothered you a little bit, or like a lot, of, a lot of critics. I was reading reviews for this. A lot of critics are bothered about the overly sexual relationship between them. And I was like, No, I don't care. I, I didn't, just to be clear, I'm not one of them. I liked it. I just, I was just saying that it wasn't in the book yeah. at all. And that. And he, and he has in his moves that I didn't get until I was now. And yeah. <laughs> Peter Pan, Peter Pan's a player with the ladies. <laughs> but yeah so the main thing that they did was they cut out was that all adaptations end when she gets back home from neverland okay and then the books is an epilogue yeah where... where um it turns out that hey wendy keeps going back like in hook she yeah. comes back like once a year from Peter she's back. Back. yeah okay and that's that's uh, that backstory is the one part of book that I really like. I just wish it wasn't cheesily delivered like that, and all the sentimentality because that is really a sad moment. Yeah, it works. It's much better in the book because instead of him instantly <laughs> falling in love with with Jane, even though he she's sleeping, yeah, <laughs> about her. That's... And I think that Wendy sort of adopted him, so they're sort of siblings. Yeah, that. Which, by that's the way, the... it's a good thing that Peter Pan didn't go back with Wendy because, like, Mr. Dolly would have adopted Peter. As well. Oh no! <laughs> I was thinking. You know, I was thinking about that during the scene where he says, "Well, he sent me to school." I was like, "Yeah, he can't go." No, no, they're going to be can't... siblings. Practically. <laughs> Peter, there are these there are these incest laws, and it's like it's very <laughs> very weird. It is. It is weird. And again, if you, if the only exposure you've seen is the Disney version, this is gonna rock your world a little bit. <laughs> it's also probably the only girl he's ever met. No, it is. And so I'm surprised that he's not like. I'm a little bit surprised that he's not more inappropriate, given that he's never met a girl before. Like he doesn't know how to talk to a girl at all. But he totally does. I can't <laughs> emphasize enough how good his moves are. Oh no, he's he totally sells Neverland as this awesome place. And yeah. again, he's got a ton of like presence. Like when he flies in a room, you're like, okay. And then like like you said in our like little tweet, uh he, he goes on John Michael's bed and John's like, 
you offend reason, sir. I like, like to offend with you. With you. <laughs> and I, and I, I also love how Peter keeps forgetting John and Michael are there. Which He's, is like, like, that's more in the book where uh, Neverland stops you from uh, remembering things because you're only living in the present. And in the, in the movie, it comes across like Peter's just purposely forgetting them. He doesn't care about them. And they kind of use it as a joke, I think. He's, he's, he's like, where are my brothers? Who? Yeah, um, but he does save them. But no, he, he does save them. And I like that. Again, that first scene in the room, he, she's like, my, can my brothers come too? And he looks at them and like they're shots of them sleeping and he's like, all right, I, you can bring them. I think that you're projecting too much into that. He gives her a smile. He's like, all right, I'll be fun. Again, that, that was, maybe there's like more of the shooting style and the music that plays, like the kind of goofy thing and they show Michael sleeping with the teddy bear right there. So I thought that was, I thought that was more of him saying like, yes, all right, they can come. I, I liked in the cartoon that they also <laughs> tied up the teddy bear. I know. <laughs> I love, that was a great shot. <laughs> I love that. The, I love that that teddy bear in the cartoon is like a full blown, you know, supporting character for a while. Carrying <laughs> 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 him with the rope around his neck. Everyone else cares way more about that teddy bear than they should. It emphasizes <laughs> that, uh, that, that the thing with the Indians is a game. <laughs> I know, like the Indians are like they, they got like them on the on these like little wooden planks, and they're just dragging the poor teddy bear along the ground, which is so funny. <laughs> no, I I got so much more joy out of 953 Peter Pan than I thought I was going to. It has so many little funny lines in it, and this funny imagery that I just couldn't help but just laugh at because it was just so either weird or just funny. Yeah. <laughs> And then, like, I, th- I think that, I think that Peter's characterization in it is pretty. It's pretty solid. I like that they at least, at the very end, they do attempt to do the whole thing about him not wanting to grow up. Um. Yeah, and uh, it doesn't fit with the rest of Mister Darling's character at all. But no. I like that he recognized Hook's ship and that he went to. No, no. But when they did, when they did that, I was like. Oh, uh, wait, hold on, what? Wait, yeah. What? What do you mean? I've seen that somewhere before. He went to Neverland. Like, what? Neverland has been, like, stalking this family for generations. <laughs> you know, like, I, like I said in our chat, you know, Peter Pan, he, can, he commits breaking and entering and kidnapping on a regular basis, and everyone's okay with it. <laughs> yeah, because like, he's going to believe you. Did you see Pan? Oh, my God. Oh my God! That plan exists. Oh my God! You know what? Thank you for that because I'd actually written it down, and I was actually gonna forget it. But yes, I saw forty-five minutes of Pan, and then I turned it off. I I couldn't take it. You saw way more than I did. I okay. So Pan is a twenty fifteen movie that Warner Brothers advertised a crud out of, and nobody saw. I knew it. Go on. Because okay, it's an interesting idea. It's a Peter Pan prequel. It's like, how did Peter Pan get to Neverland? And it, it's like, they, they try to do this thing where him and Captain Hook were initially friends. Which and is then a I saw idea. No, that's that. You know what? 
when I heard, like, I followed the production of this movie a little bit, and when I heard him and Peter Pan going to be friends, I was like, that's really interesting. Like, they could Smallville this thing a little bit. And I was like, that, that's really cool. And then it's like, oh, but you got the worst Captain Hook imaginable. Also, songs. Oh, God. Okay. When the pirates start singing, what is it, Nirvana or something? Yeah, they start singing Nirvana. I've seen it <laughs> on YouTube. Oh, no, I saw that. That was the first clip that I saw of it. But I haven't seen the movie. Oh, my God. That, okay. So the movie, when it starts out, it's kind of dark. Okay, so so the movie starts up, and it's Amanda Seyfried is Peter's mother. She just climbs over this fence and leaves her baby up at the orphanage. Flash forward, we see Peter Pan at the orphanage. It's this terrible place run by evil nuns who are giving pirates... <laughs> who, who are giving pi- children to the pirates for some undisclosed reason, and that's why they keep disappearing. And Peter gets taken... <laughs> 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 the thing is, so seriously, I was like, <laughs> why did I just stick to the fucking point? It's, yeah, it's like, my nuns, it's like the nun that is giving the children to the orphanage to the pirates. For some, oh no, I know why. They're giving the orphans to the pirates so that they can go into the mines and harvest this thing called Pixum, which is the fairy dust that. Captain uh, Blackbeard, played by Hugh Jackman, uses he puts it in a mask, and he puts the gas mask on, and he inhales it, and he stays young. What the fuck are you talking about? Alright, I have several questions. First of all, uh, Hans uh, Gone played Captain Hook and Mr. Darling in 1953's Peter Pan, so that tradition stayed alive. Second of all, say the whole thing again, I wasn't listening. Okay, I'm sorry. No, All no, right. no, no. Okay, so, so like, Pixum. Okay, so Pixum is this, ma- as far as I could understand, because the movie did a terrible job explaining it, it's just, it's basically child slavery. Like, they kidnap these kids, and they take them to Neverland, and then they're just, the pirates are like, Jujan's like, welcome to Neverland! Just very flamboyantly. He's having so much fun with this. And the kids just go down into the mines all day and they just use little pickaxes to hunt for Pixum so that Hook can inhale it in his gas mask. So, sorry, Blackbeard. Blackbeard. Or, or whatever. Hugh Jack. I'm just going to call him Hugh Jackman because that's all I saw. So that Hugh Jackman can inhale it in his gas mask and stay young forever. And he and it's kids because only the kids can fit down there. And okay, so James Hook in this film is played by Garrett Hedlund, the son from Tron Legacy. And <laughs> I don't know how he was directed, but he's doing this. He's been he was kidnapped. He's a cowboy who was kidnapped many years ago, and he's doing this terrible accent. It sounds like a combination of Jack Nicholson's Joker and Han Solo. Oh no, I'm making it sound so it's so bad it's 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 fascinating to watch how awful this is. And then we get to the Indians in this movie and you thought the Indian racism was weird in the in the cartoon one. In this one it's like a bunch of different cultures in the Indian and like Princess Taylor is a white chick. <laughs> <laughs> She's Rudy Mara, the, the girl from the dragon, the American Dragon Tattoo movie. <laughs> I have no idea what's going on. More. <laughs> and they try to do this. What about um, Tinkerbell? Let's Tinkerbell. She's 
barely in the movie. <laughs> She's not even a main character. Okay. Uh, yeah. And they, they, and they also try to do this thing where Peter Pan is like the chosen one. No! No! <laughs> Harry Potter. The thing with Harry Potter, the, okay, every single movie, everyone be quiet because this is important. Harry Potter worked as the chosen one because Dumbledore said that prophecies are bullshit. <laughs> Dumbledore said that prophecies don't matter. It's our choices that matter. If you weren't, prof- if Harry wasn't prophesized to be the chosen one, he'd still try because he's fucking Harry Potter. That's <laughs> why it works. Yeah. And I hate every every other person that's ever done this. Sucks, except Moana, yeah. because they made fun of that. No, Moana did great, and like, but yeah. <clears throat> so they say oh, that God, Peter is- on, fuck me. Even Spider Man did it, and the entire point <laughs> of his character is that he's not special. I know the amazing thing. I, I've grown to dis- dislike those movies so heavily, but no, like, okay. So yeah, they they say. Oh no, it gets even dumber than that though with this chosen one thing. Where <laughs> the, the, okay, so Peter just goes to Neverland. He get kidnapped to Neverland, and Hook helps him escape, and he has his hand at this point, and. He all throughout goes, the movie, I'd be wondering yes. when's he gonna. No, 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 no! All throughout the movie, he has it. And I saw the last scene of the movie, and the last line of the movie is like Peter saying, "We'll always be friends, right? Right, Hook?" And Hook's like, "Yep. What could happen?" And it's like, "Drop off my hand and get, make my name have some irony." <laughs> yes. No, wait. Is, he already has irony. Never mind. His real name is James Hook. His real name is James Hand, and he changed it to James Hook <laughs> Match. Oh my god! <laughs> but yeah, like the movie, and then it's this weird thing where it's like the tone is shifting all the time, so it starts out very dark and gritty-ish, ish, ish. You're making it sound like Moulin Rouge. You know what? Moulin Rouge is better than this. I like Moulin Rouge. I no, 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 I did a podcast, but like I like last movie as well. Oh no, I, I like I like Moulin Rouge too. The I saw it, and I was like. This is a weird-ass movie, but I'm actually kind of emotionally involved with their love story, despite all the goofy musical numbers in it. <laughs> but also, the goofy musical numbers are great because, no, like, like I thought that, like, I didn't know, had no idea what was going on, right? Uh-huh. Then yeah. they're setting up, and there's a, there's, they did a play with a dancing nun. Yeah. <laughs> and it opens this, and then they're arguing about the lyrics. So within the context of the story, they're writing this music, and then yes. he opens his fucking mouth and sings... Sound of Music, and I'm like, this is the greatest movie that has ever <laughs> Yes, I remember that bit. And again, another Ewan McGregor movie. Ewan McGregor is the savior of bizarre movies. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think that you know what? I feel like the movie wanted to be Moulin Rouge for like a second because outside of that clip that you saw and another time where they sing an out-of-place song... Oh, that no, they movie- don't sing it all the way through? No, they don't sing it all the way through. Bullshit! It's, What's it's, the point? <laughs> they 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 do like the new Lion King did with the Be Prepared song. I was like, we're gonna sing some of it and not all. And it's like, hello, hello, da 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 da. And I'm like, okay, this isn't a musical. You don't have the tone for that. And they do two songs, and no one ever mentions it ever again. It's not a musical. And I'm like, if you're gonna have people sing, commit to it. I we did classics month and I'm not sure if I brought it up in the Sing in the Rain one, but Sing in the Rain is a jukebox musical. Mm-hmm. And so uh that can work as long as you get the context right. Like yeah. um, like uh in 
sitting in the rain, it works because like yeah, about it old Hollywood. Yeah, it works wonderfully in that movie. Like the songs feel they feel correct. There's context reasons for them. In this movie, the pirates just like singing Nirvana because they like singing Nirvana, and it's set in World War II. Because of because. Obviously. <laughs> because apparently every Peter Pan story needs to be set in World War II. What's happening? Or World War One for the return to Neverland or right, some sort of war. Yeah, it's like because children always have to escape to Neverland to escape war. Yeah. And that's the thing that pisses me off about Return to Neverland is like Jane in that movie is actually acting correctly. Like Wendy's trying to be like, How dare you treat your brother that way? And she's like, There's a fucking war going on. Exactly. Like, I, I fuck Peter Pan. I don't have time for childish stories like that anymore. <laughs> um, but like, the, the weirdest thing about that is that it's, it's clearly written by Americans. I know. <laughs> through the Blitz, like the point of the Blitz was to ruin morale for British people. And British okay. people was a big fuck you to Hitler. Just went to <laughs> their barriers, their barriers for the bombs, right? And yeah, they, yeah, the, the bomb shelter. They just had tea, and then photographs were taken of people just chatting. Uh, there's <laughs> interviews with women, housewives in uh, during World War Two. This is hilarious. Housewives within World War Two were like, "Oh yes, the Blitz is fine because like I get to uh, give me a break from the housework." <laughs> and there's a great image of a shop open, and this shopkeeper said, "We're still open. In fact, more open than usual." <laughs> no, that, that's what I was just like. The, the, whenever they portray the Blitz in American produced movies, it's always this terrible thing, and everybody's always running and terrified. So the huge it's great. Thing there's, there's like weather reports for the Blitz. It's like we're gonna have a bit of a Blitz tonight. Playing <laughs> <laughs> British people head of the Blitz is the greatest thing that's ever happened. <laughs> Americans' portrayal of the Blitz is hilarious because <laughs> I love that. Like, again, because. And that's with how sad Return to Neverland is. And you're like, I'm sitting there on watching it on my phone going like, Peter Pan's going to show up, right? Because this is kind of depressing. But also, like, then, then Tinkerbell's dying throughout the entire thing. I know. And it's, it's got this, it's just got this such sad tone punctuated by cruddy musical numbers and joyous moments and slapstick kiddish comedy and some okay jokey writing. Is this uh, the worst the most- sequel I've ever seen? Uh, no, uh, this is no, no. I- an animated, basically, you had the animated movie like decades ago, and then through the Disney Dark Age, they also made a bunch of stupid sequels. Is this the worst? No, sequel? it's got to be Pugs, yeah. right? It- Brother Bear. No, Brother Bear no. Actually, no, no. I would say the worst. I'd probably say the worst sequel that didn't maybe not come out decades later. The worst sequel I can think of at the top of my head to an animated movie is Secret of Nim 2. Oh my god, Secret of Nim is my favorite movie. And when I heard oh. Secret of Nim 2 was out, I was like, no. <laughs> oh, you know what? The thing is, I saw Secret of Nim 2 so many times as a kid without having seen the original. And so when I saw the original, I was like, what did they do? Secret of Nim is the greatest animated movie. I it's, love it's, that thing. No, I I was in shock when I saw the original because I was like, this is dark and thematic and interesting and yeah. so mature. And Theory of Nim 2 was like, we're going to just 
put Mrs. Fris- Mrs. Brisby off to the side and make it about her jerkwad son who doesn't deserve all of this. And, and Martin's the bad guy. I lo- I'm the- I was like, when they did that, I was like, this is the, the, <clears throat> one of the craziest, dumb, bad movies ever. And the, the scientist is like, got the mind of a dog. I haven't seen it, by the way. Oh my god. I just god. know everything about it. Oh my god. Seeing it is so much worse. The animation is so cheap looking and the songs are so forgettable and it's so rushed and it doesn't it feels like the people who made it have never seen the original movie. Like they Wikipedia it and said, Oh, we can make something with this. They didn't understand what the tone was, they didn't understand what the purpose of Nim was at all. It's like they tried to copy Disney's sequels, but Disney's sequels also suck. It's been fun. Yeah, this has been really fun. So yeah, um, my so my my ranking of the Peter Pan films that I've seen, uh-huh. um, I would put Peter Pan two thousand three at the top. I think it's the best. It has psychological depth. It's really fun. It's not afraid to get dark, <laughs> but it's also very hopeful by the end of it. Uh, then I would say the original nineteen fifty three Peter Pan. I love the animation. I think the voice acting is solid. It's really cartoonish in the best of ways, and it works for it. Uh, Hook would be next, only because I think Ron Williams and Dustin Hoffman are great in it, despite the material kind of not giving them a lot to do. Return to Neverland is a watchable failure. <laughs> it's, a, it's a watchable thing. Like, I can watch it, I can look at it and ask myself, why did they take this approach? It's not in the same tone at all as the original movie. And then there's Pan, which, uh, oh yeah, the reason, oh yeah, so going around to why it's called that and the chosen one thing that you hate so much. So I when do they get, hate it. okay, so this is going to make you hate it even more, especially in oh, this. And this, this is the point where I turned it off. So the Indians take Peter to the place where the prophecy tells him of this great boy who would stop, who would rise up against Hugh Jackman. And the, I the, want the prophecy to specifically <laughs> say Hugh Jackman and not pirates or whatever. <laughs> I wish it did. But like Peter Pan the, stops him from making greatest showman. <laughs> I would I would love that. <laughs> but no. The hero in the prophecy story is called the Pan. Fuck you. <laughs> I can't that just be his name. <laughs> Is it just his name? Yeah. No, it's actually the hero is probably actually called the Pan. They call him Pan because of the prophecy. No, they call him the Pan. It's not his last name. Oh we don't, we don't God! Name. <laughs> oh my God, Pan! I want to see so... this movie, by the way. You need, to, you need to see this. It's so terrible. So the CGI is awful. So my ranking. Okay, so Pan. Okay. <laughs> Which you haven't even seen yet. I think that it sounds amazing and I want to see it so badly. It's amazingly terrible. You get it, have a drink while you're watching. Have some drinks while you're watching it. You'll get much more enjoyment out of it. I, I oh, wish my favorite I... movies is Plan 9 from Outer Space. I'm digging oh, it. Oh, God. It doesn't reach that level because oh. it actually has a budget, but no, the writing <laughs> is so bad. Uh, so that's that. The the uh, the best one is still the book. Okay. And then uh, 2003, 1953, Hawk and Return to Neverland. <laughs> I love Hawk though. If like I was just going off like the uh, off performances, I'd book Hawk like second. I fucking love Hawk. Oh no! I and I 
I, it's so I, dumb. The no, the, perf- no the, the performance. Is, okay, the performance isn't hope great, and so is the score. I love John Williams' score so much in it. I certainly. Um, my my thing for kids' movies is is if your kid is ten, they can pretty much watch anything for kids. Uh, so, and this is a bit dark, but also like if they're young, they won't get the dark stuff. Yeah. Um. So yeah, check it out. It's really fun. Yeah, it's it's really great. Uh, all, I would always recommend it. Uh, skip Return to Neverland. You don't need to see it. <laughs> but see Pan. See <laughs> Pan to see Warner Brothers try and fail to start another franchise. <laughs> and then see Moulin Rouge and think, wow, this is so Moulin- much better and all worse. Yes, this is Moulin Rouge is so much better. All right. Uh, once again, I am uh, I am Kevin the Critic. Uh, you can follow me. My website is kevinthecritic.com. You can follow me on uh, in, you can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under that name. Uh, thank you for having me on the podcast. It's been really fun. I can't believe you got that domain. Well done. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Aussie Nerds Pod. Uh, subscribe to this feed, Aussie Nerds Podcast. Uh, each week, I talk to someone about their favorite movie. If you want to come on, tweet me. Uh, I want to talk to everyone about their favorite movie. It's always a good time. Uh, I have a Facebook page for Aussie Nerds, uh, and uh, it's always fun. Thank you for coming on, Kevin. Yeah, you're welcome. And again, I don't, I don't really have, I don't really have a favorite movie just because, like, that would, I feel like that would give like other movies like a disadvantage. It's one of my favorites though because it, because it gave me a new way to look at this story that I never thought about before. And that's why I love it. Do you know how many people have said that, that this isn't really my favorite movie? So oh, God. Oh, I'm sorry. Everything. I'm sorry. No, no, that's fine. I'm just saying that. <laughs> I say uh, I that people want to clarify that, and it's always funny. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, well, at least I kept the cycle going then. Yeah. <laughs> All uh, right, thank you. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>